Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. On today's show, we're going to take a trip down memory lane, and we are going to talk about some of the best free agency signings that Mike Rizzo and his staff have done. Because truthfully, there have been a lot. And why do I pick today as that day? Well, it's free agency season. We are in the middle of the hot stove season, and guess what? The Nationals could be spending a little more money than you think. I think it's going to be a little more than last season. So I'm going to get the juices flowing. I'm going to tell you about all the success that Mike Rizzo in this front office has had signing free agency free agents in the past. Also, a former Nationals first round pick was just released from the team after his second DWI charge. I'm going to start off with that and tell you who that was right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And so I plugged earlier that a former Nationals first-round pick was just released from the team yesterday. Jesse Doherty broke this news that 2017 first-round pick Seth Romero has been released from the team after a second DWI charge. And this is just unfortunate. This is really unfortunate because... If you don't know about Seth Romero, he has had a long history of off-field issues. And this is just it's the times, man. Like, I, I don't know what to say about it. This really sucks because this is someone who actually did have a lot of potential coming out of the University of Houston. But when the Nationals did take him in the first round of that 2017 draft, fresh off of an NL East title, you know, they're feeling themselves with the organization. We needed pitching, and we know Mike Rizzo, he loves to go pitching in round one. That's just what he's done over the last decade. And now he's gone. Seth Romero is gone. He was a left-handed pitcher and truly someone who you could count on as a piece. Like People were really high on Seth Romero. The fact that he slid so far down in the first round was because of his off-field history. He was suspended not once but twice at the University of Houston. This is someone who got suspended for a positive marijuana test at Houston. Uh, They said that he was suspended during a a conditioning thing where he wasn't giving all of his effort during a practice, and they suspended him. Now, that's not necessarily off-field issues, but when you're a collegiate athlete and you have the potential to be a first-round pick, that should be enough motivation for you. And really, if you're not going to be able to put in the effort, then that's just what happens. And so to see this now with a second DWI charge, and again, in the state of Texas, he's not going to be getting off easy. It's just tough. It's a really tough break because Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post, he broke this news last night. And I didn't really know what to think of it at first, because quite frankly, we all kind of forgot about Seth Romero. He wasn't really making any differences in the minor leagues. He wasn't really pitching his butt off, you know? 
this is someone who just hasn't one hasn't been able to stay healthy and two hasn't been able to stay out out of trouble and it sucks talking about this i want to talk about baseball but now i'm sitting here talking about seth romero getting kicked off the team for a second dwi charge over the last year and yeah like i'm shocked we didn't let him go after his first dwi charge honestly like we know Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez, they don't play around with these off-field issues. If you have any issues of any sort, you probably don't have a, a place in this organization. So the fact that they stuck with him o- over in the winter when he had his first DWI charge, I think that tells you a lot about really just the talent that Seth Romero was. Because you saw, and this is a different situation, but Starlin Castro, when he had... Uh, allegedly had the domestic violence uh, charges against him. They kicked him off right away. Like, they don't play around with that. We know that as this team, and which I I 100% agree with, by the way. Like, I I don't have an issue with that. If that's not who you want in your clubhouse, no problem with me. I understand. But it just, it sucks. Because as a fan, you want to see this guy do well. You hear a lot about him. You hear about the stuff that he brings. But it was just very clear and evident that baseball was not his number one priority. And it was a total waste of a first round pick. A total waste. A complete waste for this front office to make a first round pick for when you have off field issues in the history of what he had. And I'm sure if you talk to the University of Houston staff, they would probably say the same like, hey, I don't know if this guy's going to be committed. If you do get him committed and have him commit to baseball, stay out of trouble, and just do what he has to do to move forward, I'm sure he's going to be fine. But we didn't get that. And quite frankly, that was a massive miss for Mike Rizzo in the front office there. Because, I mean, just what are we doing? Because it's easy to look back and say this now, but if he has injury history, not only injury history, but off-field issues, you probably shouldn't be taking him in the first round. But again, like I understand the philosophy of this because Mike Rizzo is kind of a gambler with this stuff. He likes to take these type of players in situations. And, you know, I think it shows trust in his people and the people that they put around these guys in the minor leagues and the development staff that they would be able to to make chicken salad out of you-know-what, out of chicken you-know-what. And it just didn't happen. And it's unfortunate because we saw what he could bring potentially when he was called up in the COVID season. If he wasn't going to be a starter pitcher, because that's what we drafted him to be, then he could be a nice little lefty out of the bullpen. He had a nice little slider, a changeup that was going for him. He had a fastball that rode in the mid-90s. He could have been a fine reliever. And then also... Just looking back at that draft, we took him 25th overall in the 2017 draft. Nate Pearson was right behind him. Jeter Downs. Those are two big-name guys who haven't really shown too much either. But they're major leaguers nonetheless. And we just don't have that anymore, which is unfortunate to say the least. Because we actually signed him above slot value as well. We signed him at $2.8 million. 25th overall, 27th or in the 2017 draft. 
So obviously they thought highly of him. And not it wasn't just them. It was the whole MLB. This is someone who could have been a top 15 pick in that draft if he didn't have the off-field problems, if he didn't have the commitment issues to baseball. So it truly is just unfortunate. Like, I hate talking about this stuff because I think we all have our own issues to deal with. And obviously, Seth Romero is amongst this crowd. He's no different than anyone else on this organization and team. And really in life. And this is me just kind of taking my baseball hat off, hat off and putting my life hat on. I hope for the better for this guy. Because, you know, DWI charges are no joke. No joke whatsoever. I hope this guy gets the help that he needs because it sucks. You saw him. You, you meet him in the clubhouse. You hear about him. You hear all the raving things about his game, but he just can't keep his head on straight. That's just what it is. And so I truly hope for the best for him moving forward. I hope he gets the help that he needs and eventually, you know, put this on the back burner for now. But hopefully he gets the help he needs and he can make a comeback someday in the major leagues. Do I see that happening? No, because I think he's got some other stuff to deal out in his life right now. A second DWI charge is no joke. And plus, would a team give you a second chance at this point after a a team already gave you a second choice or a second chance? Probably not. And it's just tough to see. It's tough. I hate talking about this stuff, but it needed to be talked about. And it just adds to the list. It's the cherry on top of the 2010s Nationals draft where you just Mike Grizzo and this staff has drafted bust after bust in the 2010s, and particularly pitching, starting pitching in the first round. Eric Fetty, bust. Seth Romero, bust. Mason Denenberg, you haven't seen him yet, but the proof is in the pudding. He's still in low A Fredericksburg. Jackson Rutledge, still in low A Fredericksburg. Dane Dunning, he's I'm pretty sure he's out of the league. Or he, he's actually with the Texas Rangers, but... He's doing nothing. The proof is in the pudding right now. The 2010 draft class for the Nationals, really throughout the whole 2010 era, bust after bust when it comes to starting pitching. And that sucks. But I think we've starting to turn that corner, and I think we have Cade Cavalli coming on the way, and he's someone I'm really high on moving forward. So I'm going to end on a nice note there, and now we're going to transition into some free agency acquisitions that Mike Rizzo and this front office have done. And I was putting this together last night because it just got me thinking about this, that if you really look back on it, this front office has actually done an amazing job with when they spend money on free agents, they hit. And that's kind of rare because organizations, you know, it's very hit or miss, but not with this front office. Every single free agent that they've acquired for a big deal, they have come through in the biggest of situations for the Nationals. But before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about my friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for betting, for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From going to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all on Bet Online. And if you love your sports podcast, you can find those at Bet Online as well. But this is what I do. 
I just check out all the stats and the analytics that they put out over on their page at betonline.net. And guess what? They're going to be giving you the answers. They're giving you the answers to the test. Why don't you just take them just like I do and place their bets to what their pros say to do? Guess what? I don't like math, but they do, and they give you all the analytics that you will need. Just search search up betonline.net, and they're going to have you covered. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And, And with that being said, now let's get into some free agent acquisitions that this front office has hit on and in a big way in some of them. First off, this is in no particular order, by the way. I'm just kind of shooting it at the wall from what I have on the Google Doc, from all the notes that I've written down. The one that stands out the most to me, and as it will to everyone, in 2015, when the Nationals made Max Scherzer, at that time, that ridiculous offer, seven years, $210 million, with $30 million annually. And at that time, do you remember what everyone was saying, even including myself? You overpaid. You overpaid for someone who's past his prime. You over. You gave a pitcher $30 million annually. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just be honest. That was one of the best contracts over the last decade in all of baseball. Not only did Max Scherzer earn Every single penny of that. He won back-to-back Cy Young Awards in 2016 and 2017. He finished top five in 2015. He finished second in 2018. He finished third in 2019. Oh, and guess what? He also had three top 10 MVP finishes in those span. I mean, that this free agency contract we had for Max Scherzer, was one of Mike Rizzo's best works. And we know what this meant for this organization. It meant the world to get Max Scherzer, the ace that we truly needed. Because at that time, Steven Strasburg, could you really rely on him? Could you depend on him every five days? We needed someone who's going to be out there because we needed the starting pitching in the postseason. And if they were going to continue to hinder Strasburg's innings, and really hold him back for what his true capabilities were. We needed someone to rely on day in and day out, and especially going into the postseason. And that's what we got with Max Scherzer. One of the best to wear the curly W hats, one of the best DC athletes in the history of DC. Yes, I said that. One of the best pitchers of all time. One of the best pitchers of our generation. Mike Rizzo, tip your cap. That was one of the best free agency signings in all of baseball over the last decade. Every single penny was earned from Max Scherzer. From what we witnessed as fans, the no-hitters, the perfect game bids that should have happened, Jose Tabata, I still remember that. I still remember you leaning in. Max Scherzer, man. That, That was a slam dunk easy one for me that is the number one signing that Mike Rizzo will do and will ever do moving forward and truly I mean I don't know what else to say about Scherzer 
every day he proves me wrong. It sucks we have to watch him with the Mets. It sucks we traded him. But regardless of it, the signing of Max Scherzer meant so much to this organization and really just built the foundation of what was to come in 2019. And we climbed that mountaintop, and he was there for us in Game 7 in the World Series. You know who else was in there for Game 7 in the World Series? This is not, again, this is in no particular order. This is going to rub people the wrong way. Patrick Corbin. I said it. I said it. Patrick Corbin was one of the better signings in this organization's history. And you might ask, what are you thinking? What drug are you smoking, Ryan? Nothing. Guess what? If you have a ring on that finger, and if you played a big part in that, you were worth it. You were worth it. If you get the win in Game 7 of the World Series, if you come in and shut the door against the cheating Houston Astros in three games, three innings, I mean, and you close the door and help solidify a win, guess what? You're worth it. That contract to me, and I say this all the time with my friends, it's priceless. What Patrick Corbin did in Game 7 of the World Series, you paid off your contract for that ring. Who knows what would happen if we didn't have Patrick Corbin coming in those three dominant relief innings in Game 7 of the World Series. Would we win the World Series still? I don't know. And really just what he meant for us that entire season in 2019 He was dominant, and he was our third starting pitcher, and he was dominant. He was an ace, truly. If he was on any other team, he would be your two starter, if not your one. That's the kind of stuff that he had that year. Obviously, unfortunately, it's completely fallen off a hill, but it doesn't matter. He helped you win a World Series. That's the goal. If you helped us win a World Series in a big way, I don't care how much money we gave you. I don't care how much you're robbing this organization. That is a massive sign that helped us and got us over the hump in the World Series. It got us over the hump in the postseason. We put him in some tricky situations. He was coming out of the bullpen. And if you saw in the past World Series with the Phillies and the Astros, Ranger Suarez, that's what they use as Patrick Corbin. That was Corbin's role. He would come in in any situation, and he would just shut the door. Obviously, Corbin had some spotty situations in that 2019 postseason run, but it was all made worth it by Game 7 of the World Series. The biggest time and the place to come through, and he did just that every single time. So Patrick Corbin, your contract is amongst Mike Rizzo's best signings in the history of of national free agency. And I truly mean that. Every step of the way. It's not even close. But before I get to the next few, thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever 
you get your podcasts. And now for the rest of those free agency wins that Mike Rizzo and this Nationals organization and front office has had. Another big name guy. 2011 Jason Worth, when we stole him from the Philadelphia Phillies for seven years, $126 million for an $18 million AAV. And let's just be honest, a lot not a lot of people were thrilled with Jason Worth's time here. I think a lot of people were like, well, was he worth the money? Not really. I I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think that Jason Worth was the one that got us over the hump from being a bad team into being a winning team. He was coming off the World Series with the Phillies. He was someone who's been in the postseason. He's been a big-time player for them in the postseason. And so once we got Jason Worth and once we stole him from the Phillies, that was huge. One, guess what? When the learners did that, That's when they showed we're open for business and we're real about this. We want to win and we want to win now. We're tired of this losing. That was not only a sign for that, but he was our team leader along with Ryan Zimmerman. Obviously, Ryan Zimmerman was the team leader, but he didn't really know how to win in the MLB. He never won by himself and you can't win by yourself. But now we have someone who is a vet just like Ryan Zimmerman. He's a little older than Zim, and he knew how to win. He knew what it took. He knew what a clubhouse should look like and how they should win day in and day out, how you should prepare for a win, how you should prepare for different situations. He knew that. And so Jason Worth, he played a big part in this organization's success. In seven years with us, he had a 263 batting average with a 788 OPS. He had years where he finished in the top 15 in the ML in the MVP race. 2013, he finished 13th. And then in 2014, he finished 18th. It's not amazing, but the guy helped us to win. And not to mention, 2012 of the NLDS, game four, in that, what, 15-pitch at bat off Lance Lynn, finishes the walk-off home run to send us to game five of the NLDS. Man, sign me up. That was one of the better times of my life until the Nationals blew that the next day. But then obviously 2019 trumps all of that. All of the woes and all of the games that we should have won. But Jason Worth not only set the tone in the clubhouse, but he helped us win games year in and year out through that seven-year contract. Now on to the next one. Daniel Murphy. Daniel Murphy is someone that we forget about as an organization. We forget about Daniel Murphy, and I don't know why. Daniel Murphy was signed to a three-year, $37.5 million deal with only $12.5 million annually. Again, someone we stole from the New York Mets inside the division. He was just on an insane World Series run. And quite frankly, we didn't really know if we were going to be getting Daniel Murphy if you look back at it. It kind of came out of nowhere, to be honest. We didn't know what we were going to do, or at least that was me. I wasn't convinced that we were going to sign Daniel Murphy. I really wanted him. I knew the the role that he could play here would be important. But that deal, in my opinion, 
besides Max Scherzer, was the second best deal that Mike Grizzo has given out in his history. Daniel Murphy was amazing with us. In three years, this is someone who racked up a 330 batting average. If you're in a batting average, that's an amazing batting average. A 380 OPS or 380 on base percentage, 550 slugging percentage, and a 930 OPS. I don't know what it was when he came here, but the numbers that he had as a Washington National, and more in particular in 2016 and 2017, were astonishing. 2016, he finished second in the MVP race, and quite frankly, there was an argument for him to finish first. He got beat out by Chris Bryant and that miracle 2016 Cubs team, which make the argument. I get it. It's the Cubs. They just won their final World Series or first one forever. Good for them. But Daniel Murphy, quite frankly, was out of this world his first year as a national. Out of this world. And no one could have expected the amount of impact that he would have had. He just hit. He hit line drives. He hit home runs. All of his numbers were up as a nat. And not only that, we got to trade him away eventually, too, in 2018 when we just blew the whole thing up. And in 2018, there was actually a lot of people in his third and final year of his contract. People were frustrated with him thinking that he was having a down year with us. It wasn't really having a down year. It was just what we were used to in his previous two years where he was just the best hitter in baseball. I'll say it. He was. Back-to-back silver sluggers. Back-to-back all-stars with us. And then in 2018, he was fine. He had a 300 batting average. Had a 340 OBP. A 442 OPS. Or a 784 OPS. It's a fine numbers. That's an above-average hitter. And quite frankly, that aligns with his career as a hitter. He was kind of a defensive liability in the field. We all remember that. He was not a great second baseman, but guess what? We value the hitting. We value the on-base percentage, the amount of times that you're going to be able to get on base and make some damage, and Daniel Murphy did just that. One of my favorite free agency acquisitions from this front office, and it's not even close. If you, Even if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I have him as the thumbnail because I think he is that important, and plus – the low-hanging fruit there would be to use Max Scherzer, but I'm not going to do that. Another, now we're getting to my second-to-last one here. Another free agency win for the Washington Nationals was signing Adam LaRoche to a three-year, $37.5 million deal back in 2011. Again, great signing from this team. One of the better ones. Because as a national, Adam LaRoche, he had a lot of up years, but he also had some down years. But he meant he was part of the foundation that first propelled this national's dominant era. He was part of that foundation of the 2012 team that certainly took off and kind of just led the organization for years. He paved the way for this organization to win, and not only to win, but to win in dominant fashion. Now, it's unfor- in 2012, he was out of this world. He had a 270 batting average, had a 343 OBP, a 510 slugging percentage with an 853 OPS. 
He won a gold glove award at first base. He won the silver slugger, and he finished sixth in the MVP race. Again, cheap deal. For a first baseman that had some big hits, he could put the ball out of the yard. Once he got a hold of one, that big country, Adam LaRoche, he got hold of him, man. He was a fun watch, too. First base, he was a wall back there. He was the great wall of D.C. before anyone else. And he could hit. And he could hit damn well. Watching him was a treat. And I think he's kind of forgotten about here in D.C. alongside with Daniel Murphy. Why is that? Probably because of 2019. But those are two guys you certainly should not forget about along past decade in Mike Rizzo and some of the splash signings that he has made as the president of baseball operations here in D.C. Now for my last one. This is not a splashy one. And this is one that's happened recently here in D.C. Just take a second and to think back over the last few years. Some We haven't really signed any flashy free agents besides Nelson Cruz last year. I can tell you this, that didn't make the list. But think about it. Joey Manessis, maybe. Cesar Hernandez, absolutely not. Ah, after 2019, Kyle Finnegan. Some of you may ask, well, this guy's only been in the bigs for three years yet. He's had really a year and a half of decent baseball. What are you talking about, Ryan? Mike Rizzo signed this guy to a major league deal after the 2019 season. He was in the Oakland A's organization. He was one of the better relief pitchers in all of AAA, his final season in in the minors. Mike Rizzo took a shot on this guy and signed him to a major league deal after the 2019 season. And let's just be honest. This is someone who has the potential to hold down the back end of your bullpen for a good long time now. This is someone who I'm really high on, and I've said before and again and again and again that we should have traded him at the deadline because you would have been able to get something for him. But if you don't also, nice. You got someone who's young, who's got potential in the back end of your bullpen to potentially be a setup man or a closer down the line. But then also, he has the potential to even take a big step up from what he was in 21 and 22 as well. And with that, if you want to trade him then, the price is just going to be going up for Kyle Finnegan. This is someone who is still, right now, only 31 years old. He's got some time left on his arm. He hasn't really been used that much over the years. In 2020, he was decent. In 2021, he was pretty well. In 22, I think he took a really big step up this last year. He had his moments to where he was blowing games. But again, you see the potential. You see it with him, and that's what I like to see. And his numbers are trending in that way as well. His whip was down from a 1.485 to a 1.140 this season. His fielding independent pitching was also down from a 4.52 to a 3.76. This is someone to where his strikeouts were up per nine innings from a 9.3 to a 9.5. His walks were down by a lot from a 4.6 per nine innings to a 3.0 in 22. The potential is there for Kyle Finnegan to be one of the better relief pitchers this Nationals organization has to offer. And again, 
you can trade them and you're going to be able to get something back for them in return. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. I hope today was a fun show for you guys. It's nice to look back and reminisce on some of the wins that this organization has had. As we know, over the last year and a half, it's been tough to really single out a couple wins that this team has had. But guess what? I'm making my own wins. We're making our own wins. We're going to have some fun in this rebuild, and we're going to make the Nationals fun again once again after that. All right, everybody. I will talk to you tomorrow. The Rule 5 draft is tonight, so keep your eye on that. And I'll have more on that for you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody.